I want to pray for you before you begin. Father, I want to thank you for this heart. I want to thank you for her love for the church. Father, I thank you for this gift here this morning. And I pray that as she speaks with us and stirs our hearts about what you're saying to us as a community this time, may her words touch our hearts. May there be an anointing upon her as she just releases what's inside of her this morning by the power of your name, Jesus. Amen. morning church it's so awesome and so wonderful to be able to be with you here this morning to be able to be given this opportunity it's not every day that you get to stand and talk to so many people at the same time um for those of you who don't know me i'm tony i have one husband and one daughter i have been <laughs> i have been coming to the base since 2016 and the lord has just been so good And so this morning, I am going to be reading out of the book of Genesis. The portion of scripture is going to sound a bit random at first, but I will give some context afterwards. So I'm reading Genesis 28, verses 16 to 19. Then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, surely the God is in this place. And I did not know it. And he was afraid and said, how awesome is this place? This is none other than the house of God. And this is the gate of heaven. Then Jacob rose early in the morning and he took the stone that he had put at his head, set it up as a pillar and poured oil on top of it. And he called the name of that place Bethel. But the name of that city had been loose previously. I don't know if I'm saying that right. And then verse 20 starts of saying, then Jacob made a vow. Now, I know that's kind of like in the middle of the story. But for some context, Jacob was a twin. He had a twin brother named Esau, and Esau was the older one. I mean, I don't know how much older because they were twins. But he was the older one, and he had the birthright, basically. And Jacob, whose name actually meant, I did write it down somewhere. Um... I feel like people are whispering it. I, I can't find it on my page because if you look at my notes, <laughs> it's, it's busy. Yeah, he was the one that held on to his brother's heel. And basically when his mother was pregnant with the, with the two of them, um, she couldn't understand what was going on in her womb because there was a lot of wrestling going on. And it was spoken over that it was two nations. And the younger will rule over the older. So in his life, Jacob then understood this word, and he took his birthright and the blessing from his brother Esau. And as a result, Esau hated his brother. He hated him so much so that he wanted to murder him, you know, standard family stuff. (laughs) Also, Jacob was his mom's favorite, and Esau was his dad's favorite. And the mother's like, listen, Boki, you need to send Jacob away because Esau has gone mad and wants to murder him. And, Jake, and um, Isaac is like, listen, they're boys, they're men, they need to sort out their business. This isn't what happened in the story in the Bible. I'm just adding creative, <laughs> creative liberty, right? So anyway, his father says, okay, go. Go find a wife. Go away. So essentially, Jacob is now fleeing from his brother, fleeing from this hatred, fleeing his family and the purposes for his life. So the Bible says he reaches a certain place on this journey now as he leaves to find his wife. He reaches a certain place. And he's tired because the journey was long and it's now it's dark. And he takes 
stone or stones and uses it as a pillow. I don't know who does that, but he takes a stone <laughs> and he uses it as a pillow. And in this certain place where he seizes from his journey, he's in a place of rest, God gives him a dream. And many of us know the story of the dream. The dream is of the staircase or ladder that goes from earth to heaven. Angels ascending and descending in this place. And God himself is standing before Jacob. This dream, this ordinary certain place that he finds himself in now becomes a God encounter. This is the first time in Jacob's life where the stories that he heard through his father, Abram and Isaac, now becomes real. The God of the heavens is encountering him in this moment. And all the things that he heard of is now real to him. This is God revealing himself to Jacob. This is God revealing Jacob to Jacob. And it's God making a covenant. The same covenant that he made with Abram and Isaac, he is now making with Jacob. He's saying, this land that you are on, I am giving you. I will bless your offspring. I will give you all the promises that I promised to Abram and Isaac. And I will not leave you until I have done what I said I will do. And I mean, who here remembers the first time they encountered God? Anybody? Who remembers the first time that God became real to you? I remember. I remember the first time that God made his Holy Spirit real to me. I grew up in church all my life. But the first time that the Holy Spirit became real to me, I will never forget. And when I turned away from God along the way, I remember exactly where I was when God intervened and said, my child, you are dying. Come back to me. I remember exactly where I was on the M5. And that moment is marked in my mind. What's the first thing we do after we have a God encounter? What's the first thing you do when you have an encounter with God? You tell someone. You mark the moment. You write it down. And this is exactly what Jacob did. He says, and this is back to the scripture that I read in the beginning. Surely God is in this place, and I did not know it. This is the house of God. This is the gateway of heaven. This is the gate of heaven. So he takes that stone that was his pillow. He takes the stone, and he makes a marker. And he says, surely if this is, if this is God, if the God that he says he is, and he's going to do what he says he's going to do, if he doesn't leave me and does it as he says, then this will be the house of God. And after this amazing faith moment and this encounter with God in chapter 28, you know what happens? Chapter 29. Jacob resumes his journey. He goes on his way and life happens. How many of us know that life happens? Life happens, right? When you read from chapter 29 as it goes on, Rachel encount, um, Jacob encounters Rachel. He falls in love with her and he wants to marry her. Then he has to go through all the rigmarole with the, with the father-in-law that was actually kind of like a scammer and then scammed him into marrying the sister Leah and then he didn't want to marry Leah but then he w- married Leah and then he worked for Rachel eventually so now he has two wives and now he has baby mama drama. And <laughs> so... <laughs> The one, the one wife can fall pregnant and she's like, nah, 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 nah. I have kids, you don't. And like, 
the other wife, which is the one that Jacob loves, she is heart sore because she doesn't have a baby. And Jacob's like, oh my goodness. And, and in this time, he is wrestling with God. He has an encounter and he wrestles with God. In this time, he has a daughter named Dinah. She gets defiled. And his sons get so angry about the situation that they want to murder and they want vengeance. Now, there's so many things that you, I'm just skimming over it for the sake of time, but there's so many things that happens between chapter 29 and chapter 35. Life. Life. The Bible literally describes him as troubled. He was a troubled man. How many of us know that sometimes life can be troublesome? Since we encountered God, how many of us have known challenges? Maybe not our sons trying to murder people because our, something happened to our daughter. But we have known challenges. Everybody, close your eyes. Close your eyes for a second. Think about the last two years. Think about everything with COVID. Think about health. Raise your hand. If you have experienced any kind of challenge with everybody's eyes closed, if you have experienced any kind of challenge in the last two years, financially, colleagues, school, studies, friends, family, health, keep your hands up, open your eyes and look around. Almost everyone's hand is up. Life can be challenging. But we get to chapter 35. Jacob's in the state of trouble and he's fleeing his father-in-law once again. And God says to him, Arise. Get up. Now who knows that if you get up and go, you cannot sit and stay. <laughs> <laughs> You can't sit and stay. You can't stay in the state that you are if God gives you an instruction to get up and go. God says to him, get up and go to Bethel. He doesn't call it Luz or whatever it was called before. He calls it Bethel. Get up and go to Bethel. Settle there. Dwell there. Receive the promises that I have spoken to you all those years ago. Build an altar. Altars were for sacrifice, for worship. Go there and go do what I told you to do. So I want us to note here, the first time Jacob went to Bethel, the first time he had that encounter with God, it was him alone. The second time now when he's going back, when God calls him back, he speaks to his household. He says, Clean yourselves and get rid of your idols. We are going to Bethel. We are going to the place that was changed from Luz, which by the way means separation. To the house of God. And they go. Despite fear, despite challenges, despite a very real enemy that was trying to destroy the plans of God. And when you, read the ch- when you read the scripture in chapter 35, it reads very similar to the, to the chapter in, in, in chapter 28. 
It describes them going. It describes them see, you, um, taking a stone, making a marker, mark, building this altar, and Jacob pouring oil on the stones and saying, this name of this place is changed from Luz to Bethel, the house of God. And so in the story of Jacob, we could say that the stone represented him seizing from his running. It was the place where he stopped running, where he rested. Or it was the place where he encountered God. It was the gateway of heaven. It was a reminder of faith and obedience. Of covenant and power. Covenant, why? Because this was an agreement, agreement between him and God. And the stone is like this witness of this is what happened in this place. This is this moment that was marked. And even though it was years later when you're reading chapter five, um, 35, this was God meeting with Jacob and Jacob agreeing with God. And power, because only the power of God can change that which is separated into the house of God. Change from Luz to Bethel. Only the power of God can change us from being separated to the house of God. And just as he poured the oil on the stones, God pours his anointing oil, the Holy Spirit, on us so that we can become the house of God. I want to read to you Ephesians. Ephesians 2, because maybe you're thinking, okay, Jacob, Old Testament. <laughs> Ephesians 2, verse 19 to 22. Now, therefore, you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus himself being the chief cornerstone in whom the whole building being fitted together grows in a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also being who you in whom you also are being built together for a dwelling place in God in the Spirit. And one Peter two verse four coming to him as a living stone, rejected indeed by men, but chosen by God and precious. You also as living stones are being built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. We as a people in this day and age, we've been grafted into those promises that God has spoken through all the ages. And dare I say, church, that it's time for us to arise. It's time for us to get up and go and take hold of those promises that God has spoken to us. To walk as the people of God as God has called us to walk. I'm not unaware of the sorrows that are happening in the world. I'm not, I'm not asking you to deny the difficulties and the challenges that exist. But I'm saying the God that spoke to Jacob said, I am who I say I am. And I will do what I say I will do. And you are who I say you are. Amen. 
God is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. He is still that God. He's still that God that promises. And if we don't know who God is, we need to learn who God is. And I beseech you and I, and I beg you to stir up a hunger. Stir up a hunger to know him. Because the book of Daniel says, the people who know their God shall be strong and do great exploits. Jesus himself said that he's given his, his Holy Spirit as our helper and greater things than these, the things that Jesus was doing, will we do. But sometimes I look at the church and I wonder, I look, there, there are people in this world who don't believe what we believe, they, but they believe in darkness. They believe in ancestors or people in the occult, they believe in darkness. And they carry out these physical things, rituals and things like that, because they believe that the power of darkness will will do something. But the fraction of power that they have is nothing compared to the God that we serve. So I challenge us this morning to walk in that power, to walk in that belief, to know what we believe about the God that we serve, to know what God is saying about us as his people. And to walk it out in obedience. We can rejoice in hope. Because God is who he says he is. We can be patient in affliction. Because he will do what he says he will do. And we can be persistent in prayer. Because we are who God says we are. And maybe you're asking yourself, why do we do this? Why do we do these random acts, put things on the stage, write our names on stones? Why? We we don't do it for speck and bunches. Who knows what speck and bunches means? (laughs) We don't do it for speck and bunches. I, I don't know if it's still here. I, at some point, I don't know where it is right now. Draw the sweater of my sister. For years, I was banging on heaven's door. Jesus, my sister. Jesus, my sister. Say, Tony, I fight for her harder than you could ever fight for her. And by faith, I decided to trust him. By faith, I decided to put down a garment here and say, God, I trust you with my sister's life. My sister's here this morning. We don't walk in obedience. Fuspeken bunchies. We don't, we're not here to play games. The time for playing games is over. The season that we are living in We cannot hold back any longer. We cannot shy away from walking in the power of God. So when we take the stones, if you haven't already written your name on the stone, take it knowing that this is a moment. This is a time to join yourself with the people of God. It's time to know who you are. It's a time to know the God that you serve and know what you believe because what you believe changes how you live. It's time for us to be bold. 
It's time for us to arise. It's time to get up and walk in the authority and the power that God gives us as his people. We can stand. So I just want to do a prayer before we do the declaration. Know that your name that you've written on the stone has meaning. Know that the God we serve is a covenant-making God, and we're not here for games. And know that, you know, when I think about last week, sometimes, it's, sometimes church can seem so chaotic. There was a lot going on. And this is not my original thought, but I thought it was very appropriate. God is a God of vision and a God of dreams, a God of plans and a God of purposes. But his purposes and his plans are so big that they cannot possibly fit into one person or one service. (laughs) It's in all of us. Your voices are as important as the leaders. God is raising us up, church. I just want to pray. As a show of faith, I want you to raise your hands. Whether you've written your name on the stone or not, or whether you're still going to do it, take a moment to reflect on who God is. Take a moment to reflect on the covenant that is made with us as his people. And take a moment to reflect on who God is calling you to be. The assignments that he's given you to walk in. Father God, we come before you in this time. We say thank you for speaking your word to us, my God. Thank you for every word spoken, every promise spoken. We thank you that you are the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. And we thank you that you are a God that chooses to dwell with these people. We pray, Holy Spirit, that you would anoint us in this time, that you would teach us how we can walk in power, how we can overcome. Give us vision, my God. Open our ears to hear you, my God. Open our eyes to see you, my God. Teach us your truth, my God. Teach us who we are, my God. Fill us with your Holy Spirit. And may we walk in a new way. Because of who you are. And because of who you called us to be. In Jesus' name. Amen.